please turn in your Bibles to Nehemiah 8. Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah 8, verse 1 through 8. Nehemiah in the Old Testament. After the book of Ezra, is that correct? Check some of your knowledge this morning and mine. You'll find it there. We preached out of that last year. And we get to go back today. <clears throat> As a continued uh, emphasis on the things that I feel like God's leading me to preach this year. And uh, I've never... You know, sometimes we, we have the tendency to, to to just go over things over and over again. But we don't apologize for that because Scripture has a lot of repetition in it. I said Scripture has a lot of repetition in it. And the reason for that, the reason there's repetition is because people don't get what they're supposed to the first time. Were you like that in school? Don't raise your hands. But... We wonder, and, and people say things like, well, we've talked about that. That's all you ever preach about. That's all you ever do. And I used to say that to my pastor, to which he replied, if you'll learn it, I'll go on to something else. Now, I'm not saying you fit in that category today, but Scripture is re repetitive. It is that way for a reason. Because if God tells you something over and over and over again. He's got a reason to do it over and over and over again. Because number one, it is important. And number two, you're not getting it. And I'm sorry if we get our feelings hurt sometimes because, oh, let's do something new and exciting. God is not going to go to the next grade level, teachers, until we get the grade level we're on. I've shared with you before that even in the school system, and I don't know if anybody here would admit it this morning who's a teacher, but there'll come a point, I don't care what anybody says, they'll get tired of messing with you, and they'll send you to the next grade. Now, it may take two or three runs at it, but eventually they will find a way to get you to the next level if for no other reason they don't have to look at you anymore. God don't do that. God will leave you in the first grade until you master the first grade. And church, you can be 75 years old, 85 years old, or even older, and God's going to still be teaching you what you're supposed to learn until you learn it. I'm glad He does that, but I do feel bad sometimes because we're so slow to grasp what He would have us. Now, I understand we are limited in our abilities sometimes but sometimes we limit ourselves and God wants to speak to us and share with us so much and I'm just wanting us to get to that point where we really want to hear him and expect to hear him when you come to church do you expect to hear from God I hope you do that's what he wants us to do this year is to expect to hear from him Nehemiah 8 verse 1 through 8 I'll try to make it fresher since you just got it a year ago. But we'll see what happens. Nehemiah 8, 1 through 8. And with me, it reads this way. When the seventh month came, the children of Israel were in their cities, and now all of the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in the front of the water gate. 
And they told Esther the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest had brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. Then he read from it in the open square that was in the front of the water gate from morning until midday before the men and women and those who could understand and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. So a scribe stood on a platform of wood which they had made for the purpose and beside him at his right hand stood Mattiah, Shema, Ananiah, Urijah, Halkiah, and Mashiach, and at his left hand, Pedadiah, Mishael, Micaiah, Hashum, Hashabadadana, that's the good as we get on that, Zechariah, and Meshullam. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, and he was standing above all the people, and when he opened it, all the people stood up. Ezra blessed the Lord and great the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen, while lifting their hands and they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also, Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Achaeb, and all those other names. And the Levites helped the people to understand the law and the people stood in their place. So they were distinctly from the book and the law of God and they gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading. Let's pray. God, thank You today for Your Word. God, we do not slight Your Word in any way. God, the, the fact that I would not read those last names has nothing to do with their less, lessening importance. It's just that I can't pronounce them. But God, I know today they're important because You placed them in Scripture. We want to learn from them and learn from You and what You say in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. And I want to say again that if I go over something like that, I am not taking away the importance of being in Scripture. Sometimes I can do more harm and good in trying to say the names. But they're important and God put them there. Now when we look at this Scripture, this gets us open a line of thinking of asking a question. And here's one question you should consider this morning. Why do you come to church? Why do you come to church? As soon as I asked that question, you had just a, a all through your mind, you had a million responses, you were ready for the preacher, you could stand up and you could get the gold sticker for today. You, you, you got an answer you could give me. You're, you're, you're not slow, you're not a dummy, you're able to, to give an answer as to why you come to church. And we would also understand that many things that we would say might not be the most important thing to say, but there's a lot of good reasons why people come to church. But as we look at this, you and I need to understand that sometimes we come to church for our own set of agendas, our own reasons. We put our own spin on it. And we look at church, really we do, in a different way than what God looks at church. We look at church in terms of what we can get out of it, what's in it for us, where is our benefit this week. And I'm glad I get something out of church. I do. How about you? I hope you do. I'm glad that we get something out of church. But we need to start thinking of church and more than just terms of what I'm going to get this week. 
I'm, I trust God. He's faithful. He's going to give me what I need every time I come to church if I seek Him. I don't have to worry about that. Amen? I don't. But what our approach sometimes is, is that we come to church solely for what we're going to get out of it, what our uh, benefit is going to be. And so that's why we come and we come and, and, and we're very sensitive to anything that happens that may be contrary to what we want to happen. In other words, we want things just the right way. We want the lighting just right, the temperature set just perfect. I want Tommy to sing my songs. I want a certain style. I want this to happen. And if you get off the bulletin, I want you to catch that. Hurry up and get back on it because i got to be home at a certain time. I, I, I want things to be geared and catered to me. And why? Because I'm selfish. How about you? Now nobody wants to say amen there, but I'll say it for you. Amen. We're selfish when we come to church. It's about us. But I'm going to share with you today a situation in which it was more about God. Matter of fact, it was all about God. <clears throat> Why do you come to church? Well, traditionally, God's people come to church and they come together before God and really for one main purpose. And here it is. We come to church to hear from God. I said, we come to church to hear from God. We may hear from God through the message He may speak. I can read a scripture, not add one commentary, and God can speak to you. God may allow me to preach the Word, share the scripture, add what He wants me to add, put it in there, and God can speak to you. God can speak to you by Tommy singing a song, by me singing a song. God can speak to you through fellowship. God can speak to you through different aspects. But don't you come to church and not hear from God. Because God wants to speak to you, and if you don't hear Him, you might not be listening. Or you may be distracted. But when God wants to speak, there is no excuse for not hearing. Do, do you remember when you were growing up, and <clears throat> I shared this recently somewhere, I don't remember where it was, but you know, sometimes... When your parents called you, I might have said this last week, they, had, they would call you and, and they'd say your name, but you know they really weren't serious yet. They say your name kind of halfway, and, and, but they're not. Yeah, hey, Darren. Uh, not there yet. So you go on about your business. And then you get a second response. And a second call from them, a little bit more urgent, a little bit more dedicated, a, a little bit more authoritative, but you're still not ready to respond. But did you know they always got to the point when they called the name, and I knew this was it. This was the time I better respond. Because I was going to be in trouble if I didn't. Listen, God speaks to us and He wants response. He just does. And I guarantee you, if you're really listening, there's no mistake in God speak to you. I don't buy all this stuff, well, I don't know what God wants and I can't hear God and He doesn't talk audibly. If you are listening and trying to hear from God, I'm going to make you a promise. You'll always hear from Him. 
And I can't explain to you exactly how that works. And I know that God doesn't speak audibly like you hear me now, but God speaks. His favorite way is to speak through His Word. Speak through Scripture. And He'll do that. Anything God says will not be contrary to what the Bible says. It'll never be contrary. It'll never be different. If you hear something that is different than what the Word says, you didn't hear from God. Because He is the Word. And that is His Word. He can speak through our circumstances and He can speak through different ways and, 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 and He can speak. But the, but the deal is, is that He does speak. And our issue is, is that we basically come to church not expecting to hear from God. We settle in our pews and we wait for the cues to do certain things. amazing if you think about it we have such an awesome chance today to hear from God and we might miss it because of something else as we look at this we know that he can speak in so many different ways but in a society that church is geared toward personal preference an individual taste. We've got to reclaim it for what it is. It's God meeting with us. When you look back at verse 1, we see that the people were assembled before the water gate. Not a political reference there. And Nixon doesn't have anything to do with it. But this was one of the gates in the city of Jerusalem that was important and I find it important that he's in front of the water gate. And the Scripture tells me that we're to... It, many times it refers to Scripture as, as water. It, it, it's, it's what we thirst for. And, and, and I think it's important to know that as we're at the water gate, now you're going to see uh, something very important. The, the Word's going to be presented. And they were before that. And, and here's another thing that I find interesting in this Scripture. It says, Now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in front of the water gate. And they told Ezra, the scribe, to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. This is interesting. Because <clears throat> you've got people who are initiating worship. They are coming together. They're telling the priest. They're telling the scribe, bring us the Bible. Get before us. And we need you to read it to us. They did not say, get the drums together, get the bass together, get the guitar tuned up, and let's get us some worship going first. They did not say, let's get all of the, the, the lighting together and the projections together, and let's, let's get our program set. And let, i tell you what, let, let's get our kids in here first and do this. They said, bring us the Bible, get before us, and read it to us. And the problem that the church today has is that we want everything else but the Bible. Now, we, we won't admit that because, oh, after all, brother, and you preach out of the Bible every Sunday, and I got one in my hand, and we put it on the screen. But we get distracted with everything else, and what we need to hear from is God's Word. If we hear nothing else, that has to be central. That has to be the focus. That has to be what you desire. They said, bring the Word before us, the law of Moses, and they're going to tell them to read it to them. 
I've shared with you many times in jest, but I believe it. I'm going to stand behind it. That if you want to build up any service we have at a church, our church, put the word worship on it, you're apt to get some people to come. Put the word fellowship on it, you're apt to get people to come. But if you want to kill it, put prayer or Bible study. Now I tell you what, I say that in jest, but that's a sad commentary. If I'm killing attendance because I'm putting the study of God's Word on there or prayer time, I need prayer and Bible study way more than I need some more meals. Amen? I could go without a meal or two. I could go without a fellowship or two. But I, I can't go without the study of God's Word or prayer. It's time spent in prayer with Him. And yet I tell you what, we could kill a service if we put Bible study on it. Oh, that's just for a certain group of people. That's for the committed. Uh, I'm not in that age group. That's for the, oh, about the 50 to the 70. and then, or, or, or maybe we even got another age group that we put on that. I don't care if you're breathing. You need to hear it. And I, I tell you what, if I'm not getting across to our kids while they're sitting here, come to me and I will start making it more accessible for all age groups because I'm trying every service. I want them to hear it. I want to make it accessible from whatever age group we have in here. God needs to speak to us and we need to hear from His Word. And yet, boy, if we want to kill it, Now, am I talking bad about having fellowships? Church, I love to eat as much as anybody. We'll never turn nobody away. I promise you, if we got food, you're invited. You ought to be here. You're always welcome to eat with us. Amen? If we run out of food, we'll go find some. I promise. But, church, we need to be serious for a second. It's a shame on all of us if that's more important to us than coming before God and hearing what He would say. How are you going to answer that one day when you're before Him? How are you going to account for that when you're before Him? There's no accounting for it. There's no answering to it. It's wrong. They called him. They said, bring the Scripture. Get before us. They had a strong desire to hear what God's Word said. And they were searching for direction. Now remember, go over the first verse 2 and 3. You put that up there. Remember, they had spent <coughs> about 70 years in captivity. And, and they had spent their lives, many of them, without ever hearing Scripture. They knew it existed. They'd heard of it. But they really didn't know what the law of Moses said. They never really heard it read to them. And they certainly couldn't read it for themselves. See, here's the problem that we have. We can hear the Word anytime we want to. The internet, uh, the, the, your phone, you could go pick up a Bible at any store. You, you could get the Word anytime you want to. And if you're having a problem finding Bibles, come here. i got a bunch. And we get them in any translation we want. We can get a pretty cover on it. You can get it geared toward the youth. You can get it geared toward the man or the lady. There's no shortage. Matter of fact, there's a glut of Scripture. And we're not near as hungry 
as they were. Matter of fact, we take it for granted. We take it for granted. And I want to say to you that I, I'm as guilty as any at times. I know I sound a little angry this morning, but sometimes you've got to get a little angry. Sometimes you have to come running at it with a little bit of attitude to get people's attention, if nothing else. Spent 70 years without it. Many of us spend long periods without it, and it's staring at us on the shelf. They couldn't get to it. These people were ready to hear it. There was an eagerness. There was an anticipation. And they initiated the worship service. I don't know what it would be like to have somebody knock on the door. Hey, church is about to start. You're not over here yet. Hour ahead of time. But hurry up. Get over to the church house. We got to have church. And folks, in our churches, we got so many people saying, Hey, we're getting close to dinner time. You need to wrap this up. I've been very fortunate. I've not really dealt with that much in my ministry, and I'm thankful for God for that. I'm probably more time conscious than most of you. I admit that. But I want to tell you that many of our churches, the preachers are dealing with that every day. And, and I want to tell you, when you got that kind of thing going on, God's not going to work. Why would He? You're in a hurry. God might not be getting warmed up till about 5 till 12. You ready to stay? God might not say a word till till twelve o'clock. Are you are you gonna say, Well, God, I'll catch you next week? And I'll tell you what, how many people all over the nation, all over the world, have that attitude? God's not gonna speak to you like that. Not because he don't want to, but because of the attitude of your heart. Spent seventy years without it. They were ready for it. Look what it says. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could hear it with understanding on the first day of the seven months. <clears throat> Go to the next part. Then he read from it from the open square that was in front of the water gate from morning until midday. Stop right there. You didn't catch that. From morning to midday. For you that math didn't really sink in in school, about six hours. If you go on, you're going to find out they were standing for six hours. And I don't think he was necessarily the most charismatic speaker. And I don't think he was adding a lot of commentary. And I don't think he was telling as near the, the, the funny jokes that I do. He was reading Scripture. And they stood for six hours to hear it. And don't forget, they're the ones that begged for it. Would you do me a favor, congregation? Would you stand up? Just stand for a second. In our society, I know there's groanings and aches and bones pop, I understand. But in our society, we know that many people are debilitated and can't stand. Not what we're talking about. There are times that you have to move a little bit. But as you're standing there, just for a second, can you imagine for six hours...
But see, they didn't mind. They weren't worried. They weren't concerned. They were being fed. They were receiving what God was giving to them. You may be seated. But I want you to remember standing. Because we do it. And I, you know, a lot of times we do that in worship, especially when you talk about more contemporary styles, what some people call the 7-Eleven song, sing seven verses 11 times or whatever it is. I don't know. And you stand up and, and you know, and some of that stuff's really good. You know, I have no problem standing in worship. But I don't know that I've ever been hungry enough to stand that much to listen. He read from it the open square that was in front of the water gate from morning to midday, six hours, before the men and the women and those who could understand. Is that more than just adults? It is. <coughs> it's children. Now, there are certain age children that may not understand. But you know, I think we sometimes let that age be way up there when really kids understand a lot more than what you think. They do. We were having this discussion this week. I don't know if it was Brian and I or somebody we were. Maybe maybe Tommy was too. But we were talking about children. Um, it might have been, I'm not going to call any more names. But um, it seems many times that, that ministers' children or children who are raised in the church from an early age tend to get saved quicker. And it doesn't surprise me because of the exposure to the Word. So it doesn't surprise me when Red Spring sings younger children every year, seems like, come to the knowledge of the Lord because it tells me we're teaching them and they're getting it younger. They're receiving the Word. And what we're doing is lowering the age of accountability for those kids, specifically. They're hearing the Word, and they're, they're learning what sin is, and once those smart little rascals do that, and kids are smart, they may have you thinking they're dumb, but they're smart. You, you look at the, what kids learning at, at elementary ages. Do you know kids in elementary school are learning algebra? I still hadn't figured it out. In, in, in elementary schools and junior highs, speaking Spanish? It took me that long to get English down. And I still hadn't got it. And kids are capable, mentally, of, of reaching levels we, we don't even, probably don't understand. So don't tell me they can't understand what Scripture is. Don't tell me they can't hear what God's tugging on their heart. And don't tell me they can't get saved at younger ages because they can. Verse 4 through 8. <clears throat> Verse 4, So Ezra stood on a platform of wood which they made for the purpose and beside him in his right hand, and it stood those guys, 
And there, verse 5, And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord their great God. Thirteen men stood in front of the crowd with Ezra. And they were probably important men in the community. Does it matter that we have good examples in our church? Yes, it does. Does it matter that we have good examples in our community? Yes, it does. Who are your kids looking up to? You know, I think about the, the role models that are out there, and, and, and I look into sports so many times, and, and there's a lot of sports figures that I admire that really I just admire for their ability because they're not really good people. I remember, and I'm not knocking this one person, but he was very honest. Charles Barkley, remember a few years ago? He's a great basketball player, and he speaks his mind, and he still does that today, and he probably has a lot of values and things that I don't agree with. But one thing he said, and I agree with what he said, he says, I don't want to be a role model. Now, I understand he doesn't want to be, but the problem is, is when you're out there, you are. I can understand the honesty in saying that I don't want to be a role model. But listen, when you have the spotlight, when you're out before people, you've got a platform. And I know many people are sick to death about hearing Tim Tebow. And I know many people today are just raising their hands and clapping because they got beat yesterday. But I want to share something with you. We think it's strange. And, and we think, why is there such a big deal going on with him? Listen, Tebow could make a mistake tomorrow. He could sin. And he could bring the, the world down upon him. But I believe personally that he's living an example that many of us wish we could and just don't have the courage to. And I have not seen him proselyte anybody, try to bring anybody to the faith. He's just being himself. And my question is, is if he's being himself and he's a Christian, then why aren't we doing the same thing? Does somebody get offended when we do it? No, because we won't pray in front of people. We won't bow our knee in a place that's not a church. We'll go around the corner and, and, and then do it. And I've done pretty good. I've not even mentioned Tebow's name in all this football season. But you knew it was coming. When you look back, the people answered, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands. Yes, they lifted them. Take that, Baptist. They bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. They responded, didn't they? Responded three ways. Verbally, by saying amen. They responded actively by raising their hands. In church, they had humility. They responded humbly because they had the faces to the ground. I've seen a lot of this, and boy, they, they're moving and they're going and they got the faces up. But in the last several years, I've tried to be conscious of the fact that when I raise my hands, I want to put my face down. Because my hands are lifted to God, but I know who I am apart from God. And I'm humble. I don't deserve to see your face. I want to, but I don't deserve to. But praise God, He'll let me. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. 
Meeting with God will happen when you want it and when you seek it. You've got a lot of messages coming in the next few weeks about worship and those types of things and what to expect when you come to church and, and what you should bring when you come to church. But when you think about these people who come just to hear God's Word, leave today and compare your attitude versus theirs. Consider it. They came thinking, read the Scripture. Knowing it's a lot of Scripture. Knowing they're going to be standing for six hours. And we came with the expectation that we'd be leaving around noon. For some of you know me pretty well, maybe 12, 15. Different expectation. Different thought process. But God's the God today that He was back then. God wants to speak to you in that same way. And He wants you to be hungry for Him same way those Israelites were. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. You remember that Scripture? Then I'll hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sin and heal their land. Sins aren't being forgiven. Lands aren't being healed because we're not doing the first part. We're not humbling ourselves. We're not seeking His face. We're coming to church, sitting in a pew, and doing our time. 2012 is a year that you need to get out of doing your time. Because this ain't prison. And yet many of us treat it as it is. Got the little tally marks. Counting the days. Listen, I don't want to count the days. How about you? I want to serve God in His house with joy and I want to see God move in 2012 as they come and prepare the invitation. I, I want to see Him move. I want to see Him move in my family. I want to see Him move in your family. I'm, all, I'm bold enough and have that much audacity. I want to see God fix your family this year. I want Him to fix my family. I want Him to work on those that need to be saved. I want Him to save them. I, the relationships in all my family that, that struggle and, and maybe face separation and divorce, I want to see them healed this year. But I'm not just going to leave it to, the, to that family. I'm going to spread it to yours. I want to see your families healed this year. But you're going to have to seek His face. It's not about coming. It's just about coming to church and putting your money in the plate and all that type of stuff. It's about seeking God and truly worshiping Him and hearing from Him. Not just a preacher. Please bow your heads. God, thank you today. <coughs> and I submit this message to you. If anything gets done with it, it will be because your Holy Spirit leads it. Help us, Lord, to hear from you. To seek your face. God, I pray this year we learn not to look at you the same way. That we learn not to look at worship the same way. That we learn not to look at your house the same way. God, this is going to be the year that you're going to work in us. And God, if nobody else, please work in me. I need you. God, speak to our hearts. For those that may come today and want to pray, or pray where they're at, I pray you speak to them. In Jesus' name, amen.